0: Hey everybody, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Atomy Brainwaves, our podcast on education for educators. Brainwaves is produced by our wonderful team here at Atomy. What is Atomy? It's an online teaching and learning platform for secondary education. We provide engaging, curriculum-specific video and text lessons for over 190 subjects, as well as matching quizzes and exam practice that can be used for both learning and formative assessment. We also provide powerful analytics that can help teachers diagnose how their students are progressing and zero in on who might need a little bit of extra help. Our goal is to help make life easier for our teachers, give them more time to work on the most important things, and ultimately help to generate better outcomes. If you want to find out more about Atomy, head over to our main site at getatomy.com and feel free to try it out for free. Today, we had something a little different, a mailbag episode where resident teaching expert Sue Tennant and I tackled some of the questions sent to us from our teacher listeners. In this edition, we cover topics ranging from how to handle one of your children becoming one of your students, to the process of subject selection for building content here at Atomy. If you want to see one of your questions answered, feel free to email us at brainwaves at In order to listen to more of the podcast, you can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you prefer to do your podcast listening and we'd love it if you left us a quick five-star review while you are at it. In the meantime, give this episode a listen and enjoy! Are you going to teach us anything? What, you want me to teach you something? You want to learn something? Alright, you got it! Hey everybody! Thanks for tuning in to Atomy Brainwaves. I'm your host Simon and today I am chatting with our resident teaching expert, Sue. What's up, Sue?
1: Oh, not much. How are you doing, Simon?
0: I'm doing good, I'm doing good because today we are continuing our, our new initiative, not not tackling a specific topic or or kind of nailing down one area where we've set the agenda. But instead, we are hopping back into the mailbag and answering some questions that have come to us from our teacher listeners. Are you, cool. are you ready to, to hear the words straight from the streets?
1: Yeah, I always like this. Yep. It's, um, All right. See what's, see what's going on out there.
0: The real problems <laughs> you know, that people are facing out there. Let's, yep. let's dive in and, and let's start with an email that we have received from Ruth. Mm -hmm. Ruth writes, Hi Simon, long time listener, first time writer. So Mm -hmm. I'm facing a problem a lot of teachers have had to navigate through the years. My eldest son is going to be in my year 8 English class next year. Mm -hmm. We have a good relationship, but my worry is how to maintain the teacher-student dynamic in the classroom and leave the mother-son relationship at the door, or whether that's even completely possible. Am I stressing out over nothing, or is there anything I need to do to prepare myself for this thanks ruth an age-old problem sue one faced by many teachers over the years yeah uh, that
1: must be a small school then because usually the schools i've taught in um yeah the we would do everything to avoid that situation really Um, yeah yeah so maybe um either you know i would speculate a small school where you can't actually do that um or maybe you know the the yeah if it was a larger school just the class dynamics don't allow you to or
0: something but that's interesting because yeah. that was i i i actually was in when i was in school a guy in my class i remember being in class with him and yeah uh, his his mum was the teacher of that class and i think yeah. it was it was well i don't want to say it was necessarily common but as far as i was aware there was no efforts made to stop it from happening yeah. so interesting I, think- I suppose different that different policies yeah maybe i
1: mean maybe that's just changed um i know you're not that old you know but maybe (laughs) thank you for saying that that's just changed in the sense that um i don't know there's there's a a lot at the not just at the moment but you know i think i've seen it more increasingly um in the later years of my teaching this sort of idea of entitlement and unfairness and any perceived notion of being treated differently or something being unfair kind of thing so the the move in the schools that I've been in to, you know, not have that happen has been really to, you know, protect the the teacher and the and the um, you know son or daughter from any aspect of it of being accused of anything, you know, being accused of unfairness or fudging marks or it's just a kind of protection mechanism. Um, mm. but I, I you know I know that's not always possible um so yeah I, I, in terms of this particular scenario i think um yeah you it's kind of like go o- go over backwards to be seen to be fair you know um mm. maintain yeah you've obviously got to talk to it was a son, wasn't it, talk to your son? yes, about yeah, um distance and calling you by you know miss or Mrs. whatever rather than mum, you know don't, don't don't let any slip ups like that, I guess um mm. almost from the moment you're in the classroom it's it's treat in the same way as as anybody else in there um and then if it you know I mean year it's not such a bad year, but if it became the sort of thing where. It was in the higher grades and, you know, so that's when people get much more precious about marks and things like that. I would make sure that, um, really, really make sure that you use, um, you don't use any names on um, assessments. Make sure that everything is, um, you know, is marked with a student number. So that it is okay. you know, you can't basically be accused in any way of you know I mean you probably know the handwriting, but you know, you can't be accused in any way of any kind of favoritism. And get things double marked, you know, so that just it's it's more about covering your back, um in terms of, of what you could be accused of that I'd be more more concerned about. So yeah. Maintain boundaries, yeah. professional distance. Talk to the kid about how it's going to all work and, um, yeah, good luck.
0: Yeah. And, and, and I would say, you know, having, as I mentioned before, been in classrooms where, you know, within my class was a fellow student and up at the front was their parent, I do think that it's something that you very quickly realize – is not as much of an issue as maybe you think it would be. Obviously yeah. I can I'm not I haven't been within the specific dynamic itself but just having observed it, you know, even if it's something that the the other people in the class might say, "Oh, your mom's the teacher." You know, nobody cares very quickly and yeah. it, people I, I I expect what you'll realize is that actually it's not it's not going to be as big of a deal yeah. as maybe you think it might. Yeah,
1: I think I, I think that's right. Resilience in the beginning, like for the kid, um, you know, a good dose of resilience in the beginning. Um, and then, you know, any kind of teasing, any uncertainty, whatever, like you say, we'll move on. They'll be the new thing. And if it's kind yeah. of commonplace for the school, which it sounds like it probably is, um, if it's just the norm, then, you know, there shouldn't be. Half of those concerns that I just mentioned, if it's yeah. just a kind of normal practice for the school,
0: so. and maybe as well, if it is normal practice, talk to any other teachers within the yeah, school. Yeah, true. Yeah, trying to get some advice. Have have been through this. Yeah, because yeah, that they they might have some some helpful words too. Yeah. So yeah, mm. thanks, Ruth, for for emailing us in with that particular issue. Next up, we have a slightly longer question from Anthony, mm-hmm. who writes. Hey guys, I'm a teacher in Victoria, where our school has recently reopened. The official advice from the government is that anyone who can study from home should do so to prevent numbers in schools getting too high, but so far I have had a significant number of students in class who I know for a fact are capable of doing their learning at home, but choosing to come into school instead. I sympathize with these kids and hopefully things can change soon, but they are flaunting government advice and running the risk in the process. I was wondering how you think, as a teacher, I should approach this. Talk to the students, their parents, school leadership, or say nothing altogether. Best, Anthony. It's a tricky one, isn't it? You know, mm. kind of a difficult um... I don't
1: think you can say anything. Yeah. Like, really? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, certainly in New South Wales, the advice has been no, no kid will be turned away from school. Um, okay. And, yeah... You know, I've got I've got a um, a kid in a in a government school, and I did follow the advice to the letter. You know, in the sense that, you know, like, I'm a teacher. Lots of my friends are teachers. I know exactly what the situation would be like. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of people in my child's year um, who, yeah, they were just like, oh, I'm over it. I'm over having the kid at home, and they sent them back as soon as they could, even though it was uh, only meant to be for. Um, as Anthony says here, for s- specific reasons and things. Yeah. But, um, I mean, yeah, it, if anything and you want to talk about your concerns, it needs to be with the principal, you know, because the pa- the school will have a party line um, that you can't go and break. You know, you can't just go to a parent and say, um, you know, I-, I know you could be at home. Why aren't you keeping your kid at home? That's not for you to say. Um, you've got mm-hmm. to welcome every kid in and, um, you know, I guess – if there are particular – if it's really getting to you so much that it's against the government advice and things like that, and I can understand that that might be the case because, you know, you, you might feel like yourself being put at risk, then I'd say go and talk to the principal but don't speak to the kids about it and don't speak to a parent because um, you'll yeah. really open up a can of worms then and I think you'll find um, huge things come down on your plate then so – yeah, I'd say, say yeah. nothing. And if it's really, really bother- bothering you, go and chat with your principal. He will give you guidance as to how the school is approaching it. Because I'm sure you're probably not the only teacher at the school feeling the same. Um, it's yeah. just that, yeah, the uh, the idea of not making children uncomfortable. Because at the end of the day, it's not really the children's problem. If their parents send them to school, they've got to go to school. So, no, of course. Yeah. And, and and what
0: should be said, you know, is that he does he does say that, he sympathizes with the kids and and yeah, understands, true. you know. So, you know, I, I I can I can sympathize a little bit with Anthony in that mm. you know he's trying to be conscientious and be aware of the the restrictions as they stand. And I suppose it's another aspect to this that things are changing so yeah. quickly all the time, and there's yes, conflicting advice up, yeah. coming from from different places, but. Yeah, I think yeah. you know. I I I would just echo what you say. You know, if if you do feel strongly that you have to say something, say it to say it to the principal and, mm. and, and leave it at that. Because as you say, you're just going to cause
1: kind of you know
0: <laughs> unnecessary. And I mean, I guess in an ideal world as well, this won't be a problem for too much longer. Yeah, right, you know, yeah. in an ideally, we'll be in a situation where very soon it will be the case that all students are. Not just welcome, but you know it's the new status quo or the return to the status quo. Almost will be everybody's back in school as yeah as soon as possible. So yeah, might yeah. not be the might not be a, a, something you have to worry about for too much longer.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. righty.
0: well, best of luck anyway with the, with the mm, situation, Anthony. Hopefully, yeah. hopefully, as I say, it it doesn't remain too much of an issue for no. too long. Our final question of the day comes to us from Giselle who writes, Hi, Brainwaves team. Love the pod. My question is about Atomy and the subjects you offer. You obviously cover a wide range of subjects, but I was curious to know what the process of sub- subject selection is like. How do you decide what subjects and topics within those subjects to create content for? <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's a good question. Good yeah. question, Giselle. <laughs> we should Let's get the content creation team in here. Uh, yeah. Get them on the call to kind of run through run yes. through this do you want to take this on first Sue, um or?
1: with my limited knowledge of it yes i can um so yeah having been in a school where yeah we, we purchased out of me in the school that i was working at um and having dealt with you know the sales team and the cs team and asked those kind of questions myself um it is usually the sub- the subjects and then the electives within the subjects are usually chosen um, based on the number of people doing those subjects and selections um, in the given year. So, you know, if, it, if we take New South Wales, for example, um, the content, the heads of the content would um, get the, the breakdown of how many um, students are studying a particular subject um, and then do that in sort of priority order. Um and that's unfortunately why some subjects like oh what's what do we get asked for a lot? Um like oh engineering I'm trying I'm thinking of. Yeah, I think or, that's one, yeah. Um oh, I've got enough my head now. Um English studies, um extensions, some of the extension subjects that we don't cover. Um, you know, it, it is mainly because of the, the student enrollment numbers. And then when we get into the different electives, that's based on uh, most popular choices as well. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's obviously quite a, an undertaking to create um, content and um, it's difficult to create content, I guess, for a minority group, um, you know, in an ideal world we'd be able to cover everything, uh, but it, as you're building all of that out and because, you know, syllabus changes just when you think you've got it, the syllabus will change uh. and you have to replace something or, you know, within my subject English, you you, could, you know, whole texts have been removed from the, the most recent curriculum release um, and put, put into different modules or taken away altogether. Um, so then you've got to keep up with all of that as well, you know, and not have sort of stale or out of date content too. So there's a lot goes yeah. into it um, and I do sympathize if you're, you know, after a subject that we don't cover or that, um, you know, an elective that we don't cover because I think that's that's actually more annoying in a sense mm. <laughs> having experienced that. You're like, yeah, yeah, you've got, you know, standard English. Oh, none of the modules I want, you know, that kind of thing. So, mm. yeah, you're like so far, but so, you know, so near, but so far.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, that you know, and, and I'll just add to that having, you know being on the the other you talk about it from i guess the the school side having you know being on the content side cuz you know when i started in at academy i started in as a content creator for uh english for the a level uk a levels and you know th- the amount of planning that goes into building out courses is really quite significant and very methodical and you know for instance i think back to you know when we were planning out courses for the a levels we would compare across every exam board look at the texts that came up the most look mm-hmm. within statistics of students who are selecting schools that are picking certain texts and kind of kind of be driven from that so it really is it's a side of the content creation that maybe goes a little bit unheralded mm-hmm. you know there's attention a lot of attention might go towards the the videos themselves and the content within them which is of course the most important thing but a huge amount of time and effort goes into planning them in a way to cater to and and you know you're right at the end of the day there's so much to cover and you know as much as new subjects are being added all the time and being built out unfortunately you're never going to be able to cover absolutely everything but you know really we we come at it from an approach of trying to cater to as many people as possible and that involves doing a lot of work and a lot of planning to figure out what those things are and then strategically planning out hitting all of those major points across all of the major subjects uh, to get the, the best quality mm, content out yeah. uh, and also the most applicable content to as, uh, as many students as, as we can. So shout out to the content team. Mm, they, do a, they do a terrific job. Yep. All righty. Yeah. Well, that is just about all. That we have time for here on today's mailbag. If you if you've got any questions that you want answered and think we might be able to answer them for you, whether they be about atomy specifically or anything to do with uh, with education, do not hesitate to send them through to brainwaves at getatomy.com if you want to listen to other episodes. You can find them on whatever platform you're listening to this on. And you can check us out on our main site, getademy.com. For the time being, it's going to be goodbye from Sue.
1: Bye, everyone.
0: And goodbye from me. See ya.